Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, the podcast where we bring you real conversations with real people. And today we have an extraordinary story to share. Meet CJ Flood, a man of many hats. He's a veteran of the Australian Special Forces, a proud father, a loving husband, and a diehard entrepreneur. Surprisingly, he's also a wannabe ultramarathoner, despite not really liking it. But CJ's all about pushing his limits and embracing the challenges life throws at him. Once weighing a hefty 130 kilos or 290 pounds, CJ was struggling to make ends meet and figure out this whole entrepreneurship thing. Delivering phone books for 20 cents each was far from his dreams. Fast forward two years and he's a thriving entrepreneur, human leadership trainer, speaker, and a consultant. He knocked off an incredible 44 kilos or 100 pounds and found his passion for doing hard things. His transformative journey from knee reconstruction and weight struggles to completing an ultra marathon has been nothing short of amazing. All this fueled by the love and support of his dedicated wife and his two inspiring boys, Seth and Cooper. They're the reason he strives to be better every day. CJ, it's all about believing that sharing raw, unfiltered stories connects us at a deeper level. And that's exactly what he promises to deliver to you. Whether it's about life, leadership, mental health, or the ups and downs of his own journey, CJ is all about being open and vulnerable, believing that sharing raw, unfiltered stories connects us at a deeper level. And that's exactly what he promises to deliver to you. Whether it's about life, leadership, mental health, or the ups and downs of his own journey. So if you're ready to take your life to the next level, join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today. As a subscriber, you'll get exclusive access to exciting perks like being the first to know about new episodes before the release of the public. But wait, there's more. You'll also receive a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where you can discuss your fitness goals and how we can help you achieve, achieve them. Plus, you'll get free access to our private community where you can join community calls to discuss episodes like this and how they're helping you apply the lessons to your life. The excitement doesn't stop there. As a member of our exclusive community, you'll get access to some thrilling programs that we're launching to continue your journey towards health and wellness. So what are you waiting for? Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and embark on a path towards a healthier, happier you. CJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. It's uh, hopefully going to be a good good little session. Oh, it's going to be a great session. I can, I know, I know this is going to be one of those really great sessions. Um, how is your 60K for 100,000 coming along for November? Uh, yeah, good. Um, there's obviously a lot 
that goes into that. Um, there's a lot of preparation that needs to happen. So, um, you know, and doing, deciding to run 60 kilometers for 30 days is no small thing. Um, and it's not just about running. It's about the cause behind that as well. And there's a lot that ha has to happen there, but it's coming along. Um, training's going well. Um, there's a couple of really big things that I'm doing at the moment, which is just like shoe testing. Like I'm going to go through probably a solid five or six pairs of shoes in a month, you know? So like, I need to know what shoes I like to be able to keep up with that volume. Um, you know, testing out different sleep wake cycles um what i like to eat for breakfast what i don't like to eat for breakfast how does that work? so it's it's very much an experimentation time at the moment as well as getting the legs ready um you know working with some some actual running trainers to get more efficient in running and my running technique um which honestly i didn't think was a thing until i started like really long distance running and i was like wow this makes a massive difference <laughs> um but yeah all in all it's coming along pretty well thanks mate very good very good um i always like to kick off the show with uh two general questions um one of those questions uh, is uh what got you first in interested in the line of work that you do with the training and everything um so like what i what i do within um my consulting world you mean yeah yeah so um it was when I had the realization that I can be better when I learn new things and I get new insights and I, I work alongside people that, you know, and have, have coaches and mentors and things like that. Um, and then when I started just like, it started very much just like a casual conversation among friends. Um, you know, and I was like, Oh, you know, you can try, try this or try that. And, you know, they got some results out. Oh, wow, CJ, that really helped. And, um, you know, and then it got a little bit more and a little bit more. I was like, you know what? I really enjoy this feeling, like being able to help people and, and watch them have growth in all areas of their life, not just within business, but at home, dealing with, you know, hard relationships, things like that. Um, it was just like, yeah, I think this is cool. Like we should, we should do more of this. <laughs> have there any been any moments where you just said you know what screw this i just want to quit and just uh just get just like a re regular nine to five job and just zone up for the rest of my life um never when i'm doing the work the hardest part about like the, the work that i do like in, in consulting and, and leadership stuff like it's so fulfilling when i'm doing that work but the hardest part about it is finding people that are open to growth and open-minded enough to be able to go, you know what? I really need some help with this particular thing. And that part's really, really frustrating. <laughs> that can be really annoying and, and troublesome sometimes. Um, even for somebody like myself who has a marketing background and has spent years in marketing, um, finding someone that that's really puts their hand up and says, you know what, CJ, like, I want to pay you tens of thousands of dollars to come and work with my team because I know that it's going to add hundreds of thousands or millions to our business. Um, and that process can be frustrating sometimes. But doing the work, man, it's it's always good. Like, even, even when you get, like, 
really trying or troublesome clients that want to push back. They've been dragged there by their bosses or whatever. Like it's, if you're patient enough and, and you're willing to go through it enough, the, the results that come at the end, it's just, just, it's just amazing. I love watching that transformation. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I know how that, uh, that feels. I know how that feels. I don't come from a marketing background and um, it's a, <laughs> It's like, uh, it almost feels like you're like tossing ideas up on a wall and just thinking, oh, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? And it's like, uh, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough, but it's, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it. I, I love the work. I love, I love our clients. I love the impact that we can have with them. Um, and that, that's what makes me keep showing up every day. Yeah. Um, kind of just steering this into the direction of this podcast and the theme of the podcast and yeah. the episode that we're going to you as i said in the intro are a ex-aussie special forces agent that transitioned into modern life and you there must be some crazy hair-raising stories that you've experienced in your time in the military uh, we don't have to go into all of them. We don't have to go into any of them. But that transition from uh, regimented, very strict form of life to regular civilian life must have been mm. very challenging for you. What were some of the key yeah. uh, things that you did to help you transition from this strict way of living to this more of you are good. You're, you can do anything you want kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a really great question, man. Um, well, I mean, a couple of things. Like one, you know, the Australian military is different. So like my role, we consider just kind of like normal, everyday kind of infantry. But because we're so small, we are often really specialized in the things that we do. So like there's, there's a you know equivalent of a million and one guys out there like me that do the same sort of job you know like there was definitely no navy seal type stuff going on there um it was just the way that our army structure a little bit different to the u.s army and so i just want to be clear about that um because i got so much respect for those special ops guys the to answer your question though how did i transition from like this down the line regimented way of life and living to fly be free <laughs> it was tough it was so damn hard um it was really challenging because i i didn't understand when i was going through this that like people like i came out of the military and i was still driven and i was still disciplined like i still had that ingrained in my nature ingrained in my routine i still woke up and you know shaved every morning and, and things like that and it took me a little bit to realize like, well, maybe I don't need to do these things. And it was probably over the course of two to three years that I got an understanding. Okay. Some things are helpful to keep. Some things don't really matter so much. So I still keep a lot of the stuff that I did in the military. You know, like I'm still up early. I'm still, you know, um, I'm, I'm, the anti on a lot of things as well so like i hate making my bed now i absolutely hate it i um you know i 
am not the type of person to, you know, go and go and shave every morning. Yeah, I, I don't do it any, anymore. It just frustrates me. But like, I still, you know, I still show up early to appointments. I still make sure that I'm overprepared. I still, you know, make sure that I'm ready for everything. I, you know, even when my four-year-old or both my boys were, you know, like young kids, babies, toddlers, and we're still having to like take a nappy bag with us. I would pack so much because I'm like, you know what? We could be out for two hours or we could be out for five days. I don't know. I don't know, but I just need to be prepared. And I would, my wife would be so frustrated. She's like, why do we need all this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows why we need it? And I think, you know, we've got two boys and, you know, one's 11 and one's four. And, uh, and I think in the entire time that they were babies and, and needing nappy bags and stuff like that, I think I needed all the stuff like once it came in handy, but I was like, see, I told you I was prepared for this. So it was, it was tough. It was tricky. It took me a little bit of adjusting um, to realize what was helpful, what wasn't. And I think probably just really focusing on my own routine, my own um, discipline, you know, and, and analyzing. I've got a very, very much this kind of self-awareness and self-analysis analysis approach to things so i'm like what's working for me great let's try that out you know let's keep doing more of that oh let's cut this away you know or actually it was a bit better when we had that back let's put that back you know so i'm always doing that in every area of my life um and it kind of just came a little bit naturally um so yeah it it was a bit strange it was a struggle but um probably the hardest part was understanding that not everybody else was operating like me um that was that was definitely the hardest part very cool. Um, only reason why I ask is because I know I haven't been in the military at all. So um, thank you for your service for protecting your country and the the, the rights and freedoms of your other people that live in Australia. So thank you for that. I, I do have a special heart, special place in my heart for vets. Um, no matter where they are in the whatever country that they're in, I'm in Canada. So, uh, like we have, like you, a very smaller art mm. military compared to the American military, but it's still, it's still stressful. Like I do know a lot of vets and they do go through yeah. a lot, especially with, uh, some of the tours that they have done or just some of the instructors that they've had, it, it, it can get a little bit, uh, too much for them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. Like. For us, we we operate pretty differently to a lot of the other militaries in the world. Like um, in the in the modern kind of like first world countries, you know, UK, America, Canada, so on and so forth, because of a couple of reasons. Like one, we're very isolated geographically, um, and then two, like we're such a large country with such a small population. It's really about resource management. So we spend a lot of our time. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely not on a, a high um, cadence of tours into to combat and war zones by comparison to some of these other countries, um, even when we're in the height of it. But when I, w- when I was in and I was serving, we're really at that height. Um, it was constant training and readiness and, and preparation was probably the hardest thing for guys because it was like, you know, we, the Australian Army lived lives by this kind of motto of, you know, tra- train hard, fight easy. So, like, our train was just grueling and just never-ending. And, and anybody that served in any sort of part of the military will understand that. 
it's always tough but it's like this was really next level and i think um that that makes it hard for guys when you leave and and it's it takes a toll physically and emotionally um but probably the the most challenging part is like when you're in the military it's like you're in your own world and like you you serve with the same guys you live with the same guys you have you go out with the same guys you have drinks with the same guys you meet their brothers their sisters their families their mothers you you say hello you pick up their you know you help them out you you do stuff you are such a tight-knit community but then when you leave like you lose that and that's where a lot of this emotional turmoil comes in because it's like now who do i have and that was really the hard part in the transition out was like i lost a lot of the buddies that I was in with, that I spent four years with, you know, like side by side nearly every day. And that was the hard part. Like I knew everything about these guys. They knew everything about me, you know? Um, and it was just like, when you lose that, it becomes, it flips the world, your world on its head. And, and that was a really challenging part. And that's the hardest part. And even the guys that I talk to now, they struggle with the same thing, like even still, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years out now, just a little bit more than, and it's like, yeah, oh man, I miss, I miss those days where we could just like, it was just simple. And yeah. So it's tough. It's really tough. It's tough, but it teaches you guys a lot about self-leadership, how to, how to, how to, um, 100%. um, how to lead, not just a, a platoon or a company of people, of people, but also yourself. Uh, I believe in the, I believe in this, in the, in the, in the quote, I don't know if this, who this, who came up with this quote, but I really like it. If a man can't lead himself, who can he lead? Mm -hmm. Any yep. thoughts on that? So many. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, obviously now like in my consulting business you know we we're consulting around all things kind of business but we really do specialize in leadership like that's our main thing but we don't focus on process or systems or things like that inside of businesses we focus on the people and that's because there's a quote or a not a quote but like a motto that i have about my life and that's like everything rises and falls based off leadership, but it all starts with self-leadership. So like everything in the world rises and falls based on leadership and, and who's leading it, but it's got to start with the person that is leading first. So for me, like when I'm going through this, this train for this 60 kilometers a day, like I'm trying to raise money and I'm running and I'm, I'm, but I'm also raising awareness. So I know that I'm having to lead this like collection and this idea and this movement towards this goal that I'm trying to achieve. Um, and that means that I need to be upfront about it. I need to be, you know, putting the work. I need to be, you know, doing all the things that I need to be doing in my own personal side of things. Like I can't just be like, I can't just sit back and be like, Oh, this is a really cool idea. Everyone should just want to talk to me about it. Like, no, you know, I'm, I'm out here and I'm talking to people, you know, like I'm hop, I'll hop off this interview and then I go into our local radio station. I do an interview there. And then I've got like another three or four interviews lined up for this week. You know, I did a, you know, um, a newspaper interview last week. Like I'm, it requires effort and leadership is not passive. It requires work. And 
if you can't lead yourself and, and understand that you got to put yourself to the standard that you expect, you got to lead yourself, you know, when, when no one's around, what are you going to say? When, when you're home alone and there's no one watching you, like it's really easy to, to reach for the jar of cookies. It, it takes discipline and, you know, a real understanding and awareness to, to grab the, the banana and, and go for a walk. You know, it takes concentration and focus and that discipline and that awareness and all those things that come within leadership start with you first and you've got to lead yourself. It's like, I, I liken it to this thing, like, you know, the voice that you hear in your head, well, that's not you. That That's your really crappy college roommate that's saying, dude, we should crack a beer and like play some video games. And like, he's fun to have around sometimes, but at the same time, like he doesn't pay rent. He takes up all the space. He eats all your snacks. He leaves a mess. Like, and if you listen to that voice, things will go down really hard and really fast. But if you sit there and go like, no, here's the standard. Here's what I expect. Here's how we do things. Here's how I operate. And you constantly pull yourself back to that. Eventually over time, this crappy roommate starts to level up and, and you lead, lead that. And it's like, Oh, you know, now instead of grabbing the beer, like, you know, okay, let's, let's instead, let's grab a Pepsi Mac. Well, you know what? Like a Pepsi Max is a pretty reasonable health choice by comparison to a six pack of beer, you know? All right. Let's, let's do that because we are human. We can do that. Yeah. Cool. Like that makes sense. So it takes time. Um, but I'm a very big believer that self-leadership is everything. Self-leadership is absolutely everything. What about a man who, um, uh, there's this other thing that I, I, I heard about. Um, it's important for a man to learn to follow before he leads. Yeah. At what yeah. point, at what point does a man stop following people and start leading? Never. Every great leader is a great follower. Because you never walk into a room where you're the leader all the time. There's always going to be a room somewhere in the world that you are the follower. And part of that awareness around leadership is also this humility to understand that I'm not the leader for this room, this metaphorical room, this situation. You know what? I need to instead empower the leaders here. And I, I like it. I liken it to like when we're in the military, um, and I, I think it gets really summed up brilliantly in that phrase. Like you, you lead up and down in the chain of command. So what that means is like, even as a, like I come into the platoon and I'm a junior digger, like I'm a, I'm a junior soldier. I don't really know what's going on. Like I don't just look to my, my corporals, my sergeants, my, my platoon commanders to know what's going on. I look to my senior diggers. Like I look to my senior soldiers. I look to, those guys that have been around a little bit more and they're like, Hey, here's what's up. They, they word up and they, they lead so that if in a situation, you know, heaven forbid, like we were in a firefight and we lose our rank leadership, our promoted leadership. We know that we have guys that will step up and they've learned, learned these things. They've been brought up and they're, they're these junior leaders that are there. And then all of a sudden, like if we, if we're in a, a combat situation and maybe we, we bring in, 
you know, this is a really common thing, particularly like through the Middle East. We br- bring in like these um, Middle East armies to train them and show them how to operate as a military. Even though I'm a junior, a junior soldier in, in our army, I would turn over this way, and now, now I'm a senior. I'm one of the most senior people in that army. So while I still respect and honor rank and things like that, like I'm still more equipped and proficient and competent than nearly everybody within that army. So it would be a disservice to me and them as a junior soldier just to go, oh, I'm just a junior soldier, I'll sit back. And that's where leadership gets really tricky because like it's it's easy to get wrapped up in the ego of things. It's easy to get wrapped up in the um the situation of titles. Titles is is not leadership. You know, there's um a really harrowing situation that I came across about 12 months after I left the army, I came across a, a really bad car accident. And there was myself and my and the the guy that I was working with. And then also to, um, I was working my dad's construction company at the time. There was my dad and another guy. So there was four of us in two different vehicles. And we're, we're coming down the highway. And as we come over the crest of this hill, we could see that there was a car accident. And I hear my dad over the, the radio and he's like, CJ, you need to get up here. So like, let's look at this and go, when does a, a leader lead and when does a leader follow? It's like, one, he's my dad. I've literally been following him my entire life. He's older. He's my boss. He's uh, more qualified in a lot of things. He's like, CJ, I need you to get up here. You got to run this. So we pull up in the two cars and like we step out and instantly my dad, who in 99.9% of rooms, I follow him. He realizes and has incredible humility to understand that no, I need to follow. And he's like, all right, what do we do? And he then empowers me to lead and run the whole the whole thing, the whole show. And that's where it really, um, you've got to understand that these situations happen all the time. Sales meeting and, you, and you're the top sales dog. Well, guess what? Maybe some, somebody underneath still has a great idea. So you just got to follow them when they present that great idea. And you got to follow them through with it, you know? If you're a CEO, you know what? You don't get to be the person that's like and, and, and dictatorship because that's not leadership. That's a dictatorship. You've got to follow the the insights and the inputs and, and the things from the, the board that sits with you. So you're always following and you're always leading. It's a real um, dichotomy that needs balance. Um, and it, it really comes down to this ego and humility um, balance that we we go back and forth with you know and if you can sit back and go is the best is this the best thing for the team and the answer is yes and that means you lead well step up start leading you know you might have things that come over the top of you maybe you don't have the rank to to pull that off completely okay well then you just do what you can to lead from where you are in the position that you're at you know and that's why um i think this this balance is tricky, takes a lot of work, but that's why we see great companies fall, great organizations fall, because ego gets caught up in this and titles and and I'm the person to do this, but it's not that. I promise you, if you can park that to the side, your leadership capability will just grow exponentially in the blink of an eye. You bring up a really interesting talking point. Um, I have personally been a part of a couple of men's groups 
and I've seen mm -hmm. both sides of these men's groups. I've seen the one side where it's more of a community um, being taught by a man who is learning and by another men's group, which is more like you said, a, a dictatorship where it's like, this is mm -hmm. how it is. And this is how you have to do it. And I'm the leader and you guys have to follow me. And this is you, this is the, this is the, um, the, um, the outline of what a man should be. And yeah. this is how you're supposed to live. What would you tell to men who are, who have men in their lives with that kind of structure, with that dic dictator in their life or narcissist in their yeah. life? It's really tough. Like that's, that's a really tough question. Cause it, there's obviously so many things that you can do. Um, and they all have consequences in different ways. Um, really it comes down to what's the situation can can you just because someone says something to you doesn't mean you have to do it either like we're all free and capable humans like we're so blessed to live in a free society like just because somebody says it doesn't mean you have to do it um and i i always encourage my um, my 11 year old so my my oldest boy he's 11 so he's really at that time where he's starting to step into this early teenager kind of like what does it mean to be a, a, a man and, and things like that and discover that you know and I talk very candidly to him and I'm, I'm like well let's go like what is it what's going on we talk about it and we we weigh things up and we and I, I very rarely go you need to do this because of this because the power and the capacity to make decisions is how we learn. You can try things. Like if you've got somebody in your life that's, you know, you've really got that dictated type leadership approach, you can try and, and steer them and, and help them grow and, and maybe, you know, be the leader in the, that situation because that is a, a dysfunctional leader that doesn't mean that you can't be a functional leader and really help them. And understanding that that can, that person can change over time. Um, but if it depends on where that, that really um, dictatorship type leadership is coming from, you know, if it's coming from uh, somebody that is just causing you more harm than good, like just leave, you know, like if, if you're a part of a men's group that's, you know, you've really got that that dictatorship type approach um, and it's it's just not gelling, like, that's okay. It's not for everyone. And, you know, it, some people really need that strong, assertive, like, he, he, here's how it goes. Here's how it, it is. Try this. Um, do this. Go here. Do, 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 do. Some people really need that because they need that that container in which to practice. Um, but some people really just need like the, Hey, you know, like let's figure it out together and, and talk this through and maybe try some stuff. And so there is pros and cons to both sides, depending on where you are on your own personal journey. Um, I'm always, I'm always a favor of, um, like not having that dictatorship around. Um, I like to try and help them grow through that. Um, you know, I look at myself and i know that sometimes i can be like that dictatorship 
And I, I turned to my boys. I turned to my 11-year-old. I, I said to him, like, what's going on? What could dad do better? You know, and like I get an honest audit from him. You know, I expect him to keep me in check. I expect him to say to me, like, hey, man, this is, this is probably not cool. And I expect that I will make mistake, mistakes. And I expect that when I do make those mistakes, I own those mistakes with complete um I own those mistakes completely and 100% on me and never on the other person. Um, and if I can do that enough times, then he he won't have that. I I can keep my dictatorship genes and, and desires in check a little bit um, and just be like, righto. And then come back to this conversation with your crappy roommate. Like, you know, if you let him win, that, di- that dictatorship will start, will start to come out. So it's a bit tricky um really does depend on that situation um and you know there's there's all sorts of things you can do like a sounds really dumb but like a a pros and cons list great one go back to like is this going to work for me is this helpful you know um is there one good idea here is there one good idea embedded in what's being said you know is there a way that we can maybe just dial down things you know over time you know that just might mean having an open honest conversation that's tough, but it's it's really worth it. You know, so it just depends on where you are, what the situation is, and, and how you best want to move forward depending on your life. Very cool. It almost sounds like um trying to set an uh trying to set an example, not just for other men, but mm. setting an example for yourself, like like kind of like tying in what we were talking about from before. Yeah. And how powerful what 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 how powerful can that be to a man when he can set an example for himself and translate it to other people? Yeah. It's when you can set the standard, like, cause it's one thing to set an example, but the sta- a standard's a little bit different. A standard is like, okay, kind of here's, here's a list of things that I expect from people. I can't expect those things without being those things. I embody that I bring those people to me and it's just a, a natural attraction. Like, man, I don't know anybody that's, you know, caught up in delinquent low level kind of, you know, things because they're not the type of people that can stand to be around me. Like you, you always kind of, um, you're going to have those people around you that are like you. So what the standard is, you've got to be who you want around you and, that setting that standard is so critical, um, you know, and it doesn't need to be a huge list of things. It's like, oh my God, I got all these things that I need to do. No, it doesn't. It's just like, you know, like I expect somebody to, you know, be, you know, honest, speak with integrity and trustworthy, you know, like, great. That, that's not that, that's not that complex, but it's incredibly difficult to hold that all the time. The amount of times I've had to have honest conversations that I didn't want to have sucks. It sucks sometimes. But you've got to have those because like if you want, if you want that in your life, you've got to hold that standard to everybody all the time. Um, you know, I I'll give you a great example. Like I I hold myself to that honest example. I'm human and I'm not I'm not great. I I make mistakes. I get caught up in the moment. I get emotional i have all these human things that we all have sometimes it gets the better of me you know and just the other week i i messed up 
pretty bad by my standards. Um, and my wife had to pull me up in check. And it wasn't a simple kind of like, oh, you messed up, don't do that again. It, it took a bit to process. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was like, you know what? I sat down and I was like, okay, is this not the truth? It's like, no, well, 100% the truth. Do I expect honesty? Yes, I do. Okay, what am I going to do about this? So then I had to go back and I had to correct a few things and, and make a few adjustments and, you know, apologize to some people um, and explain the situation and then say, you know, like, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, I hope that you understand that I am human. Um, and while I do my best to keep everything in control, sometimes it gets the better of me. And it was such a great moment because together we grew because in the situation, I was the leader. I got called out by one of the, one of my tribe members, essentially being my wife. And now I was able to go back and be like, that's not okay. I apologize. Here's what we need to do better next time. And we talked through the situation collectively. Then we grew and got better. So it's like setting that standard applies across the board. Um, and I could have really easily just let that stand and go and be like, oh no, it doesn't apply to me, but it does. And I've got to own that and embody that as well. It's interesting because it sounds like it's, it's like, uh, like you said, um, you have like a tribe that keeps you accountable, like your wife, your kids. Uh, what about a man who doesn't have, who's not married, doesn't have any kids. I mean, it's easy for you to be held accountable because you have your tribe, but for a guy who's by himself, maybe his parents are out of state or out of the province. Maybe his sister lives in a different country. He's by himself. How can somebody keep themselves accountable when they don't have somebody as close as you do with them? Yeah. I mean, that could be tricky. Um, so, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a bit of an example about how I dealt with this personally, because like, I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and say that I know everything. Like I, I'm not like that. I only use my experiences to, to maybe guide people to a bit of an insight. So for me, I left the military. I worked in construction. Um, I was on a, a six figure salary in construction and having really great success. And I kind of, I got to this point, you know, this I was having this great career success, but I was being a very bad family man. Like my, my eldest son had just been born. Um, his, his mom, you know, was looking for me to be around and be a dad and, and, and whatnot. And I wasn't that. I was focused on my career. Eventually our relationship fell apart. Um, I reached kind of like the height of my career where I was like at that project management level. I was like, well, if I'm going to go any further, I need to go to uni. So I gave up my six figure salary and I started sharing a bunk bed with my eight year old brother. I mean, like, I don't know if you understand what that's like to, to kind of just willingly give that up and be like, well, let's go and start at scratch again that was really hard for me. And that was a really tough few years. And in that time, I got caught up with um, partying. I got caught up with 
drugs and alcohol and you know i was not the man that i wanted to be um and it was only through even though i didn't have anyone really close to keep me in check i my wife wasn't around i didn't have any kids to keep me in check you know like my my parents weren't really around like siblings did it all this it's just like i sat there and i was like is this the person that i want to be and it was only through a process of time that i was able to go like no this really isn't this doesn't sit right what do i need to do about this okay and i i slowly worked through some things and um you know i i decided to change it up and i i physically moved geographically um pulled the pin on my uni and my studies and and off i went and i was like i need to get out of here interestingly though when i right towards the end of, of that pro that time um you know it was two weeks before i left it was when i met my wife so like i had a couple of years of really bad poor low-level decisions that i was making and over the process of time, I I realized that, you know, this isn't what I wanted. And as soon as I made that switch to do something about it, I started attracting good people into my life. If you're here right now and you're listening to this podcast and this interview, you've already made that, that switch mentally because you're doing something about it. You're seeking that out. So one, first off, congratulations to you because that's the reality of things like you're you've already sought out help through the virtual mentors the virtual tribe now i think one thing to come back is is really have a look at your tribe isn't friends family things like that your tribe is transient it can come and go you can have someone be part of your tribe for a night that you're at the club like you ever meet that person and they're just like the best person in the world and you're like oh my god let's hang out and you have the best time and it's like you meet them so like you meet them so deeply and so connected but it's only for like eight hours and then you never see the person again <laughs> so tribes can be transient they can they can move and move around and things like that so don't get caught up in the word tribes and think it's only like your your mom dad wife kids brother sister things like that it's, it's people come into your tribes a lot more often than you think so be open to that be open to people coming into your tribe calling you out look for the it's hard to it's hard to call somebody out that you're not really close to so look for somebody that might be just questioning you know is somebody saying to you like hey is that the right thing that might just be enough to go well you know what it's really not so just look for those little subtle things. Most importantly, most importantly, give yourself time. Like time, time is the great equalizer. You know, I, I left high school. I, I didn't finish high school. I dropped out and went to the army. I, you know, then went into construction and then it was, I was in my mid twenties before I decided to go to uni. Um, you know, and I stepped into uni and I was like, this this sucks i'm still definitely not a smart guy when it comes to academic stuff and you know failed a lot of my classes and struggled and, and really had a hard time you know started going through my own journey in terms of business and things like that and it's really been like the last three or four years that i've i've learned more in the last three or four years than i did in my time all my time at school all my time at uni like 
and time was the equalizer for that. So just understand that time is that equalizer. It's okay to not be completely figured out right now. Just move towards what makes you feel good. If you sit there and go, maybe I should go in for that job. Maybe I should move out of town. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should just do it. I mean, if you've got nothing to lose and you don't have people around, just do it. There's nothing holding you back. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because why I'm saying interesting is because um, um, we get so comfortable being comfortable. Mm. And when, and when, and when something, when, when your heart skips a beat with an idea that you have and you don't, and you realize how, man, you know what? I'm going to lose all this comfort. I'm going to lose my cushy job. I'm going to lose my five, six figure income. I'm going to lose my, I may lose my house. I may lose my fancy car. I may lose my vacations that I go. It's a really tough pill to swallow to say, you know what? I've always had a dream to live in Europe, in the, on the Mediterranean, yeah. and just live European Mediterranean life. Yeah. And you have um, no job, no nothing, no, ev no anything. So why should somebody embrace something that tough? Man, that's a great question. It takes a special decision to come to that. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you should do that in spite of responsibilities. You should never... You should never run away from responsibilities. The, as a man, you're leading your family. You're leading your circle. You're leading your connections. You're leading... But, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be happy. So let me be clear about that. Don't run from responsibilities. Honor, maintain, and, and look after those responsibilities. But if you need to do something to be happy, then be happy. It is your God-given right to have that happiness. I left my relationship with my oldest son's mother. So that's a bit complex, you know, but my oldest son's mother because I wasn't happy and I knew that I would be a way better father if I was happy. Took me a few years to get there. It took me a good few years to really get there. But I now sit at the place where I am a damn good father to him. And I love that. And I'm so grateful for that decision. So that comfort that you're talking about, it's the... It's the thing that, that holds you back. It shackles you down. So honor your responsibilities, but also too, like really sit down and look at what do I really need? Like I can take these wild, I can drop everything today and be like, you know what? Like I'm going to go back to uni and full time and we're going to go do this. The reason I can do that is because I know that I can do that and maintain my family responsibilities. Because if it means that I need to go and work a night job, cleaning toilets i'll do it like so be it like i'll do it because that's what it means to me because i know that i can do that i know that at the drop of, the drop of a hat i can go and get a job in construction or i can go and get a job in marketing or this and that now when you don't have those skill sets it, you've got to be a little bit more discerning 
and a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more mindful. But once you kind of get to a point where you can build those skill sets up and you can honor your responsibilities and then you understand what it is that you re- like, what is the bare minimum that you need? Like things start to look pretty easy in terms of decision-making. Maybe for you, the bare minimum that you need is two vacations a year and, you know, two cars and your giant house. Well, that's great. That's fine. That's totally okay. That's your bare minimum for you and your family. I get that. For me and my family, like I'm good with a tent. I'll ride the bus or I'll walk and I'll find a job somewhere doing something. We'll figure it out. My family will never go hungry. They'll never be without shelter. And the certainty that I have in that is what gives me the ability to make those tough calls. So understanding that there's there's comfort there and there's there's varying levels. And you just got to define, you got to find where, where your level of comfort and risk kind of meet. Um, and there's a really great way to look at that. And that's for me, like when I'm, when I'm running these long distances, that's not, I don't like running. Okay. So like when, when somebody says to me, like, Hey, why are you running 60 kilometers? Like I, the first thing I think is like, I don't know, like, (laughs) just because like, because it's so dumb in my head because I don't enjoy it. But what I enjoy is that when I'm 20, 30, 40 kilometers deep into that run and I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm on my own and I'm confronting that thought of quitting and it's it's me versus that thought of quitting. And I'm like, well, now it's game time. Now let's go to war because I can do the hard things. So the hardest thing you've ever done is the hardest thing you've ever done. So if you start to find more hard things to do, other stuff gets easier. Like, you know, um, that's that's just the reality of it. And you can embrace that in all areas. It doesn't have to be physical. I like to use physical things because for me, that means I can translate that. I find that translates over to my business and my personal life really easily. Like, I don't need to be like um, trying to find hard situations in my family life. Um you know, just so I can confront them. Like that, that doesn't all, all man, you know, create hard situations like that. That makes no sense, but I can easily go for a long run. I can, I can put on a backpack with some, some heavy rocks in it. You know, I can go and try and start training for a triathlon. I can go for a, you know, five day backpacking trip. I can go like, so these things give me the ability to, to confront these hard, hard situations. And that's where it's like, now that I've confronted something hard, I know what my standard that I need, like my my things that I need are great. Well, now somewhere between these these two points, I have a level of risk and um, that I that I'm comfortable with. And you've got to find that for you. Um, but yeah, backpacking through Europe sounds pretty good. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> sounds really nice. It's really, really nice. <laughs> The problem is um, when you do hard things, a lot of times you fall on your ass and you get mm. you get life that gives you that right hook out of nowhere saying, you know what, now the real work has to start. Now you yeah. really start to really look at yourself, who you are, how you react and how you move and how you're yeah. going to get out of it will dictate a lot of how you are when you do fall on your ass. 
how do you help yeah. people get out of that? Um, life just gave me a right hook and I'm on my, I'm on my butt right now. And there's no way that I don't see the light to get up. You don't need to see the light to stand in the dark. Mm. So what I mean by that is like, you don't, you don't need to see step 1000 to stay, to take step one. And that's really easy to say. It's so easy to say, but John, like, man, I tell you, like, so after my second knee surgery and I've left the army and I'm laid up on the couch and I'm, I'm eating and I'm not moving and I'm putting on weight and it hurts and I'm in pain. And I go through this cycle for seven years, seven years, mate. Like I got up to 130 kilos, like 290 pounds, everything hurt. I was in pain, like not just physically, but emotionally. I felt like a shell of a man. I felt lost, alone, just completely isolated in the dark. I had incredible people around me, but it didn't change how I felt. And there was a so a good 10, 12 times. I, I literally invested tens of thousands of dollars to try and lose that weight and get my health back on track. And it was only through the the genuine like okay, let's go again, let's go again, let's go again, that I started to see there was a way forward. That only came about because, um, like, I, I got a trainer, I started working with a trainer, you know, in the, towards the end of 2021, and we just simplified things right down. So you got to understand, John, like, we, we win so much in our day like we have so many things that go our way that we should be celebrating. But as men, we just think that it's expected. So we put it to the side. That's what's expected. That's what's expected. You know, pay the power bill this month. That's what's expected. No, that's a damn win because you did the thing, you know, kept, kept your kids, you know, moving forward in the right direction this week. Great job. You know, that's a win. You know, if you're, if you don't acknowledge those simple wins, it's really hard to gain momentum. So for me, when I was losing this weight, and I'll use this as a real world example, because it's just the, the principles are so true and applies to everything. I focused on two things. One was like an education focus and one was a doing focus. So one was just learning about the food that I was eating and how that worked, how that was operating, just understanding calories within the foods that I was eating. Eat normally, but just understand it. The other thing was, all right, I just want you to get ultra consistent with walking your set amount of steps. Now, when I say set amount of steps, I'm not saying you need to go straight for 10,000 steps because I was in, I was in pain. I couldn't walk 10,000 steps. So like I, I couldn't do that. So for me, it was like, let's get to, I was, my average was 5,000 steps. So the goal became, can I get seven days in a row of 5,000 steps? That was, that was the, the crazy, this is the thing. That was the crazy long-term vision. If I could get to a place where I could get seven days of 5,000 steps, I feel like I'm making real progress. My trainer's like, that's too far away. I just want you to focus on tomorrow. Can you make it happen tomorrow? And I sat there and I was like, you know what? 
I can do it at least once. I can make that happen once. And I did it. And I, he checks in with me and he's like, how'd you go? I'm like, yeah, I got it done. He's like, cool, do it again. So I did it again. And then before I realized it, I was at the end of the week and I'd done it for seven, seven days in a row. Nothing crazy, 5,000 steps. It's nothing. You know, it's really not that much. It's, it's not a huge goal. But that, sat there, I sat there and I was like, oh, wow, I, I did that. So now, like at a, a biological level, like a literal biological level, I've, I've had a win in a goal and I've achieved something. So now my body's getting pumped full of like dopamine, you know, get an uptick in testosterone and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, great. It makes it easier for me to win again. So next thing you know, I go and I do it again. I go another seven days and then I go another seven days and then I go another seven days. And it's like, well, let's make it a little bit harder. Let's go from 5,000 to five and a half thousand. Let's go from five and a half to six. And I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And then in 10 months, I lost 100 pounds. I lost 40, 44 kilos in, in 10 months. By focusing on that, I didn't step into a gym for like the first four or five months. It wasn't until I was like 20, 20, 20 23 kilos down that I was like, wow, wow, I feel great. I'm ready to start training and do so. Because I didn't think that it was possible for me to win. So if I made it so hard at the start, it's like, right, you need to go to the gym five times a day, uh, five times a week. You need to do this. You need to do that. Like, it's really easy to fail that. But if you dial it down, get simple, pick one thing and just make a little bit of progress and just get ultra consistent. This is where, like what I said before, where time is the great equalizer. That's the thing. Time is the great equalizer. It is the thing that, that compounds the success. Um, and if if you're wondering... Um, how you do that um there's there's a book that i read that changed my entire perspective on this because for seven years prior like i was going through this this process of like all right i go to the gym four times a week i eat chicken broccoli and rice and and that's it and like that was the thing and then i'd get like three four maybe five weeks in and i'd be like i'm done and i like i'm just my willpower was toast i couldn't do it anymore my body hurt like i was in pain i hadn't gained enough momentum but when i read this book atomic habits by james clear it really just broke down this process of um what it means to be ultra consistent so it flipped it for me because where i was like, okay, I need to be doing all this crazy stuff and going all the time, but I'll have a couple of rest days. Whereas the the rest days, the days off in between, that impacts your success more than the days that you do double the effort. So if I go to the gym twice in one day, but then I do nothing the de next day or the two days after because I'm like, I'm sore and I'm tired. Those two days have much more of an outweighed impact than, than the the double session that I did because like it's it's hard and then it's harder for me to get momentum again because now I've stopped a little bit so I've taken a break so it's this whole it's like this compounding effect you know just like we have in finances and, and things like that it's like this compounding effect applies to your habits and your behaviors that that walking streak that hitting the steps streak I went on to go and do I think it's like 572 days straight wow and I didn't break it at all 
And I was so filthy when I broke it because I missed it by nine steps. I was so devastated. Like it killed me. But here's the thing. I sat there and I looked at it and I was like, I was, even now, like I feel that in my chest, like, because it, it meant so much to me because that was the success that I was having. And like, it was probably three o'clock in the afternoon and I'd been mopey and I'd been just, and I'm like, I missed it because it broke and I'm like, I'm looking, but I had to pull myself back out of that. And I got out there and, you know, went for a walk, got my steps up. I got to, I got to the point and I started on day one all over again. That was about a hundred days ago now. So it's still a little bit fresh for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's hard to start sometimes, you know, you feel alone and you're isolated in the dark and it's like, okay, two things. One, just get super simple. I mean, super, super simple. Like if you can do something within two minutes, like that sort of simple. And then two is just get ultra, ultra consistent. Do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. And it's going to be boring. It's going to be mundane. You think about like any great athlete, how many times, you know, has, you know, um, Mike Tyson practice his one, two combo. How many times has, you know, LeBron James taken a three pointer? How many times has, you know, how many times has Messi practiced, you know, a corner kick? How many times, like how many times have they, they just get ultra consistent and disciplined? And once you do that, it's, it's literally, I make that sound because it's like a train of momentum. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And it, and it busts through into other areas of your life. Don't try and fix everything at once. Just focus in one place. Um, you brought up, help. You brought up so many talking points and we're, we're coming close to the end of the show. But I'm just going to ask you a question about one yeah. of those talking points. You said something about like, do one thing every single day. Um, that goes in contrary to what we in the gyms as trainers have are teaching our clients where you need the rest day for the re- for the recovery process so your mm. muscles don't get torn and you don't get injured i have a big problem telling my clients you got to be in the gym every single day you have to have to have to have to you got to be pumping the yeah. iron every 7 days a week 365 <laughs> days cuz i know from a physiological perspective the rest and recovery protocols are more important than the actual work itself yeah yeah so it's like how do you balance that i mean that's a really tricky question um and it's one that i've wrestled with myself i can't i can't answer that for everybody but i can only answer it for myself If you do one thing, and this is the key about that, that like being ultra consistent every day, that's one part of it. The other thing is super simple. So if you go and you're doing, say, a full chest workout and you've got, you know, heavy sets and, and you're working, things like that, great. That's that's your days where you're training that. But the days that you aren't doing that, like, can you bust out 10 push-ups? What about... What about even we get even simpler? Can you do five wall push-ups? See, the thing is, those five wall push-ups, while it sounds like, oh, what's the point? It's not for the the physiological benefits of, of crazy muscle growth, like you know, throwing a hundred pounds on, on a bench and 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 
busting out reps. It's not for that. It's for the mental side of it. It's for you to know that you win. It's for you to show up and do something every day and get that win. So like for me, I still have my steps as a goal. I'm training to run 60 kilometers a day for 30 days. I still have steps as my goal because I know every day, no matter what, I win. I have one win and I win at that. So then I can look back on today and I can go, you know what? Go me. I freaking did it. Like I won that day. So the simplicity is is the key here. So it's like, don't don't confuse complexity and, and difficulty with the simplicity side of things. Like, and that's where this atomic habits um philosophy is so great it's it's literally just behavior hacking where you you're adding these really simple things in um and i i highly highly recommend it um and if you can understand that that simplicity and the consistency will pay off um you know you really start to to make big inroads i'll give you another real world example of this we have a four-year-old he's getting ready to go to like big school leaving daycare and kind of like those, those child care programs and going to like proper school um what we call prep here we my wife and i had the decision do we kind of push for it for next year or do we wait and we hold him back and we're like you know what we're gonna wait and hold him back um at least at this point unless something drastic changes um but because we think that while he's probably ready intellectually we think he could probably be a little bit more ready socially and it's like okay well what if we just did this over the next year we can we can work on some of these things for 10 minutes a week we can do it in our family schedule when my older boy is sitting down and doing his week's worth of homework it builds a nice routine and a nice habit all of a sudden over the course of a year we now have 10 minutes a week times 52 weeks a year that's 520 minutes of you know that particular learning that particular do you think for a four-year-old that 520 minutes is going to make a significant impact in their ability to master a skill set compared to most average four or five-year-olds it's huge yeah. massive but it's 10 minutes a week so it's the consistency and the simplicity of things. You know, we could go like, all right, let's do 60 minutes a day. Yeah, that would be a much better impact, but it's like, you also got to be realistic about the, the ability to pull things off. So the simplicity is the key component here. And that's where we, you know, I struggled with the steps thing. It's like, oh, it's 5,000 steps. Like it's, I'm already averaging that. Like what's the point? But to achieve 5,000 steps a day was the key. That was... And then it was, you know, once I did that for a few weeks, and it's like, okay, now let's move it up. Let's make it a little bit harder. So then you go from your wall push-ups to your, maybe you do floor push-ups. Maybe you go from five to 10. And then some days you'll feel good and you'll bust out 20. Over the course of the year, that, that outsized incremental, like let's just do a little bit more, has a huge impact, massive towards that goal, that success. So... Yeah, I'm I'm all for you in terms of the you know pumping the iron and getting in the gym and stuff. Like, yeah, you need that rest and that recovery, but there's definitely something small that you can do in amongst it um, that will at least help you win mentally. Very cool. Um, I'm <clears throat> I'm actually reading Atomic Habits by James Clear right now, and uh, oh, I'm loving the book. So 
um, and it's actually I actually recommended it in one of my programs that I'm uh, that I'm, that's in beta right now. So it's uh, it's it's one of those one of my favorite books to, that I'm reading. So it's it's really good it's book. Amazing that that book has had such a huge impact on my life and my business. Um, I it's the first thing like whenever we go to like we often go and do intensive workshops for that like it's, it's i'll go and buy 20 copies for all the participants i'll be like read this read this read this read this <laughs> yeah hand it out at the start and then like walking through is like oh because i reference it so much because it's so applicable it's so real it's so tangible it's great uh we're coming up close to the end of the show and these are the 10 questions that i ask all my guests and i just want your perspective on these 10 questions oh Wait. okay with the increase in people suffering from the de from depression from the past three years of uncertainty that we've lived through and this year of uncertainty that we're living through, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Life's always going to be uncertain. So make certain what you do. Find the thing that you do and, and do you. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about outside influences. Don't worry about anything around that like you got to control it comes back to the self-leadership you've got to lead you if if your thing is to journal for five minutes every day if your thing is to go for a walk in the morning if your thing is to get that bit of control and that certainty in makes a huge impact very cool um what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused win get my steps every day with it's i can't state how much of an impact that has and and here's the crazy thing like my current goal with it it's it's not even ten thousand steps still like again i'm training to run 60 kilometers a day for 30 days and i still don't have a daily step goal of ten thousand steps it's 8500 do you know why it's 8500 because when i get to 8500 i'm like damn i'm so close to ten thousand. i may as well keep going <laughs> and even though I know that now and I say that out loud, it happens. I do it to myself every time. So it's just understanding that um, when I do that, I win. And I always make sure that happens. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Get simple, get consistent. Uh, when I was younger, I had this this great desire to make everything hard and complex and and really challenging it. And I lost 10 years trying to figure stuff out. And I think if I just simplified it down, got really, you know, concise around what I was trying to do and just got ultra consistent, I would be a lot, you know, a lot closer to the, the ideal goals that I'm working towards now. Very cool. Looking back, would you change anything? I changed nothing that happened to me. Um, there's some there's some things that I've done in my past that I'm not proud of. That you know, in the, the process of learning, I've I've hurt people and made mistakes, and you know, but at the same time, like hurting the, hurting them and having those things and trying to resolve that has been part of a learning process for me. Hasn't always gone to plan, um, but I mean, I, I think it's. We are who we are because of our experiences. Mm -hmm. What's more important to a man, his word or his purpose?
your word is your purpose. I think like if if you if you don't have your word, you can't have your purpose. You know. So I, th- I think it, I think they're they're very closely intertwined and and um, yeah. Good question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what scares you? So much, man. So much. Um, <laughs> honestly, the biggest thing that scares me is that I I let my standards drop. Um, you know, and if, if I, if I do that, I know it's a very, it's really easy to gain negative momentum. Um, so I, I work really hard to maintain that and hold myself to that and, and try and achieve that. I'm, I'm certainly not perfect and it's not, you know, every day that I get, um, to, to see that completely all the way through and, and that's part of the learning process. Um, but yeah, that's probably what scares me the most. Where do you see your business, fine line consulting and leadership in the next five years? That's really closely entwined with my personal purpose. So for me, I want to I want to create a million hours of impact. That's that's my goal. Um and working towards that is is what we do right now. Um I would hope in five years that we'd be really making some good headway towards that um but you know doing things like this and and coming on here you know that is that is part of that work um so for me i just i genuinely believe that if we can have better leaders in the world we can have a better world and we can build a better world um and that's where that work comes from so it's just about fulfilling that purpose very cool where can people find more about you? Uh, you can check me out at cjflood.com. You'll see kind of everything that's going on. Um, most of the stuff right there is pretty much about our, like the run coming up and things like that. But there's a bit about me and link over to the business stuff. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best place. Uh, any final thoughts? Wherever you are right now, it's okay. It's okay to not know where you want to go. It's okay to not be certain. It's okay to be upset and it's okay to have made mistakes and it's okay to be human. Please, please, please acknowledge the fact that if you've made it this deep into this episode or any episode for that matter you're doing good work you've come a long way acknowledge that within yourself because there's the the group of people that in the world that do that is very small so even though you may not feel like you're a competent leader or even though you may not feel like you have everything figured out you're, you're on your way. Just keep going. CJ, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all the stuff that we talked about. It was, it was awesome to pick your brain uh, and uh, get back, get into your backstory of, you know, coming out of the military into civilian world and just that whole transition into civilian world. It, it, it is a big impact on men when they do it and women. I'm not, 
excluding women on this. It is tough. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for coming on your show. And thank you so much for all the hard work that you put in to help get that word out to people who are struggling and um, being that beacon of support for all the men, especially out there that are suffering from mental health issues. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope that uh, if you made it to here, you got a little bit of something. Um, please feel free to reach out and connect. I, I love you know hearing from other people that are doing good work. I hope that you guys got something and I really appreciate you having me on. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday and it would, and it's jam packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced, um, in the podcasting and content creating space. So if you haven't done so already sign up to this free newsletter, it's, uh, it's totally free. And it also gives you access to the, uh, the fitness Oracle private community in mighty networks where we talk about this episode, we talk about how to implement, how you have implemented these uh, lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life. And we are working on a lot of great other um, um, programs and and uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.